0: Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you are made for more. Here's our latest message. And so would you give me the honor of welcoming Pastor Jeff up on stage for the first time? Come on. <laughs> pastor Jeff, I love you, man. Appreciate you. You're young, man. God morning, God morning, y'all. Okay, that's cool for all three of you guys. Let's try that again. God morning, God morning. Last night, my family and I had the opportunity of going to a uh, USC game. where diehard SC fans. Yesterday was a rough loss, but uh, so I'm still healing from that. But one of the crazy things that happened when I was there is that I noticed something. Is that I noticed that before SC even stepped onto the field, before they even took the first step onto the field, before they came through the tunnel, the whole crowd was standing anticipation. Before they had even talked, I mean, they just started saying "boom," and you hear, and everybody like, ah, like they get excited because they know what's about to happen. They're anticipating the moment for when their team is about to hit the field. And one thing, as I was standing here in worship, I started thinking: that how many of us are anticipating? The moment that God is about to do something massive in your life. How many of you guys are anticipating a move of God like never before? Whether you are in college, whether you have a business, whether you're married, whether you're getting married, whether you're a parent. Your anticipation determines God's visitation in your life. Did you hear what I just said? Your anticipation determines God visitation in your life. In other words, what you expect God to do for you in these next 30 minutes is exactly what he's gonna do for you. Whatever it is that you magnify will manifest. In other words, if you're looking at me and you're trying to figure out, man, is is he bow-legged? Is he pigeon-toed? I'm both. (laughs) Like, man, why does his hair look like a milk dud? I don't know, God made me this way. But whatever it is that you look for is exactly what you're going to find. And so I love your pastors. I'm so honored to be here. Come on, can you guys give it up for Pastor Sam and Pastor Kelly? Oh, come on, y'all. Y'all can do better than that. We're so honored to be here. Um, When I say we, I not only mean myself, but I got my spiritual son, Emmanuel, here with me. Ladies, he's single and ready to mingle and loves the Lord. He's been... uh, in this amazing journey, and so that's great. When I say we also, I come bearing the, the mantle of my wife, Nadia, and we have two children. I think they have a picture of us. I posted this up on the Instagram last night, and uh, this is my family right here. So uh, that's me, as you can tell, fine chocolate brother. There's my, there's my daughter, Amaya. She's 12, going on 35. My son, Jaden, uh, he's 13, and that's my beautiful Latina. I call her my fajita. Sweethearts, we act her right there. We've been married for 14 years. We were high school sweethearts. We actually grew up here in Chino Hills. And so she went to Ayala. And I was the first graduating class of Chino Hills. And then things started happening. Your boy ended up graduating from Chino. So it was all a little mixture. But I met her when I was 16 years old. And I was the first person to be able to work drive-through at the Chick-fil-A right here. So, if you want to get married, meet your wife at Chick-fil-A, cause she came through the drive-through, and a brother handed. I had the afro, and and uh, your boy was looking fly, but. We're honored to be able to be here, and also when I say we, I mean I also carry the mantle of my spiritual mother and spiritual father, Pastor Obed and Pastor Lissette Martinez of Destiny Church, and so I am an executive pastor on the teaching team over there, but uh, my wife and I, as Pastor Sam said, we've gone from being lead pastors of our church, several hundred people to campus pastors with Pastor Obed launching their campus in uh, Palm Springs. And so uh, we were there from the ground up and God blessed it and just exploded it, and then transitioned to the executive team. And and so we're just honored to be able to to be here with you guys. And so with that being said, who's ready for the word? Are y'all ready for the word? So before I get into this, I want you to know something that I I tell everybody, listen, if I'm preaching or your pastors preach or anybody's preaching, if it's good, you can say amen. If it's really good, you can clap your hands and say hallelujah. Or if it's like downright like good, good, you can do what we call the stank face. So he's just like, mm, 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 that's just nasty, right? Either way, all of them will work. Well, why do you say this? What is the purpose of it? Does it help you preach better? Maybe. But the reality is, is when I say amen or when I clap, that is an outward response that I'm receiving the word inside of my spirit and that it's for me. You, you understand that, right? And so in this presence, I want you guys to be able, if that's a word for you, you can even reach up and grab whatever said like, yo, that's for me. Because in this moment, I believe that God is going to meet us at a place of our expectation. You felt it in the worship. I feel it now. I've got 21 minutes and 40 seconds to deliver this word. And I believe God's going to do something amazing. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of John, chapter 5, starting in verse 1. John, chapter 5, verse 1. And it reads like this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which in the Hebrew is called Bethesda. Having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever, everyone say whoever, stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years when Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? If I had a title for today's message, it would be entitled, Are You Cozy Enough? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I pray, God, in these next 20 minutes and 28 seconds that you would allow me to deliver a word that would bless your children, that it would bless those who came in anticipation on this Sunday morning. Father, I pray that they would not see me, Father, but they would see you through me. I stand as a pen in the hand of a ready writer. Simply use me to etch your words on their hearts like tattoos, and we believe that you're going to show up, show out, and rock our world. In Jesus' name, and everyone say amen. amen. Amen, amen, amen. So, so every year during New Year's, we started this tradition with my son Jaden and I where, where we, play, we, we load up on Nerf guns. And when we load up on Nerf guns on, on New Year's, it's just a thing we do. We play Nerf battles in the dark. Now, you got to understand the goal as a father is to get the upper hand on your son at every opportunity you can. And so in this moment, I come heavy locked and loaded, and, and I'm hiding in the corner, and the lights are all the way off, and, and my son is, 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 is there, and he's looking for me. He's got a little flashlight. See, now, now when you're trying to win, there's nothing that you will not do to beat your son. And so I dress in all black, black shirt, black pants, black skin, everything. I'm just, I'm hidden. And in the middle of all of this, my son is going around the house trying to see me, and bow. I hit him right in his face, and he's looking and trying to find me, and I move to another corner that's dark. Bow, bow, bow. I light him up like a Christmas tree. He's just getting hit all over the place, and he's swinging, and he's trying to find me. He's swinging, and he's trying to find out who's hitting me. Where is the enemy at who's shooting me because I can't see him? And it's in the text of this story that there's a man that understands that there's something that's ailing him, but he could not see the enemy. How many of you have ever been in a place in your life where you feel like the enemy's hitting you, but you don't know where they are? You feel like God has given you a purpose and a dream in your life, and for some reason, if it's not one thing, it's another thing. I keep getting hit again and again and again, and out of your frustration, you're saying, God, I don't even know where the enemy is coming from. I'm being attacked from all sides, and the enemy remains invisible. I grew up with this song in church. If you grew up in church, the song goes like this Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus. But do I believe that's so. See, one of the biggest challenges that we face is when you're getting hit by the enemy, you question whether or not God really loves you in that moment. Have you ever been given a dream and you're saying, God, I believe in who you are and God, I believe you can do amazing things. And and God, you're the God of miracles. And you're singing all of these things only to find out that you feel like your dream is further now that you said yes to God than it was when you didn't even want a dream before. Uh, No, no, y'all didn't hear me. I came here this morning to talk to people who have a dream and a vision from God. I came here to talk to people that believe that God wants to do something amazing in their life. I came To speak to people who knows that God says there's something greater than where I am. Is there anybody here in the house that wants to receive that word right now? And so, where I am and in my life, I've had the ability to be... uh, I have a life coaching practice, and I've been blessed to travel around the world and coach amazing business leaders, companies, professional sports teams, and athletes. And so, in this moment, I want to... uh, Ask some questions as a transformational coach, if I will, because thinking leads to questions. Questions lead to answers, and answers lead to results. I'm going to say that one more time. Thinking leads to questions. Questions lead to answers, and answers leads to results. Oftentimes, if we're not living in the final results that God has shown us, it's not that God doesn't love us. Could it possibly be that we're just simply asking the wrong questions? So in this moment, I want to give you four things and four questions to be able to ask yourself as you're looking to step into a season that God wants, where we're surrounded by COVID, we're surrounded by laws, we're surrounded by what's happening, whether you're vaccinated and unvaccinated, we're in the middle of a recall, where, where, oh, you're looking at everybody else. Is it a good time to start a business? Is it not? My, my, my PPP ran out, now I got to pay it back. Am I I'm my I don't know what's going on, God. In the middle of everything, how can you dream in the middle of discouragement? And it's here that in these four questions I wish to answer this. The first question that you must ask yourself is, number one, do you know your condition? In John 5, 5, it says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. Now, going to seminary and understanding all of these different things, when you exposit scripture, you got to understand that every word has meaning. And so before it talks about there's this pool where people who are sick, lame, and paralyzed come, but yet in this verse it says there was a man there with an infirmity. And I had to ask the question, why did you not say that the man was sick? And then I began to look at the word, and the word for infirmity is the Greek word asthenia. And asthenia means to become overly and wrongly dependent upon someone or something that prevents you from doing what you know you're called to do. Here was a man for 38 years. And the scripture never said that he was sick. It said he had an infirmity. The word infirmity means asthenia, to become overly or wrongly dependent upon someone or something that is preventing you from doing what you believe God has called you to do. Do you know your condition? Well, prove it, Pastor Jeff. I'm so glad you said that. In verse 7, when Jesus walks by, this is Jesus, he asks the man, he says, Sir, do you even want to be made well? To which the man replies, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. Watch this. But while I am coming, Sir, I have no one to take me to the pool When the water is stirred up. So during this time, an angel would come down and stir up the water. And the first person to be able to get into position was the one who got healed. And Jesus walks and asks him, do you even want to be made well? And he says, sir, when the water is stirred up, I have no man to take me down to the water. But while I am coming. Sir. Sir. I have no man to take me down to the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another man steps in front of me. Wait, hold on. You said while I am coming. So why are you waiting for somebody else to take you to a place that you already know you have the ability to walk to? Because his disease was asthenia, becoming overly and wrongly dependent upon somebody else. And how many times when God has given you a vision or a purpose that we're relying on our mom, our dad, our sister, our brother, our best friend, the economy, the next guru on Instagram to tell us that it's okay for us to move. Who have you become dependent upon in in this season of your life that they have become the reason why you are not doing what you're called to do? Becoming overly or wrongly dependent upon somebody else will have you waiting at the door of your destiny. Please understand this. The word Bethesda means the house of miracles, the place of outpouring. So you are positioned in a place of outpouring for 38 years the place of miracles for 38 years, and you're saying that you can't move because nobody's taking you, but you were never messed up in the first place. Who have you been waiting to carry you to a place that God says you can carry yourself? Just a thought. The second thing that I want you to remember and ask yourself is, do you recognize your season? Point number two, do you recognize... Your season, it says in verse six, it says when Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Jesus is walking after the feast. It could be the feast of Passover. It could be Purim where Esther fooled the plans of Haman and and to kill all the Jews. And, And Jesus is walking in this moment and he asks the man this question. He says, I've known that he's been there for a long time. Do you even want to be made well? That's a strange question to ask somebody. Knowing he had been there a long while, the scripture says that at a certain time, angels would come and stir up the water and whoever was there first would be healed. And my man was there for 38 years. At a certain time, 38 years. At a certain time, the angel would come and stir up the water. After 38 years, you haven't recognized what time the angel comes? You have been there for 38 years. That is 38 opportunities that you missed for your blessing. You are at the place of outpouring, the place of miracles. You have missed your chance 38 times. Do you recognize your season? I mean, if I was him, a brother would have positioned myself right by the edge of the water, so that when that angel came, my big toe would have boom. I uh, got it. I would have positioned myself. For the miracle that I was entrusting God to do it. And in the middle of discouragement, the number one thing that the enemy will stop you from doing is positioning yourself for your miracle. Yeah. Oh, hello. Are you positioning yourself for the season that God has called you to walk in? Have you positioned your spirit, ladies and fellas, to be able to receive that spouse in marriage or do you just want a man? You don't even brush your teeth every day and you want a man. Bro, you don't even use deodorant consistently. You're talking about, God, give me a lily of the valley. (laughs) What are you doing to prepare yourself for this season if it's a business? Have you started your LLC? Have you gotten everything in your trademarks that are needed to move? If it's a ministry, have you started your 501c3? Or are you just hoping that one day that God was going to do something? Do you recognize your season or are we just waiting for January 1st? Because oftentimes our New Year's resolutions just becomes a crutch for us to make ourselves feel better for our inactivity for the previous year. So now I've got to wait for January 1st to make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to hop in the gym. Come on, 24-hour fitness is like right here. LA Fitness is right here. Y'all know them cats. First of the year, they got the blowout sales. Everybody's in the gym. They got the headbands on. They got the armbands on. They got the spandex on. They got the Lulu's on. The guys are like fit. They got the uh, uh, chalk And people over there on the treadmill, and they just working out, looking at you. (laughs) Like, this is like the first of the year. Come on now. Y'all know the New Year's resolution. And then all of a sudden, after two weeks, you couldn't even get a machine at first. And now it's just tumbleweeds. I'm going to get a donut shop and call it the gym. Y'all see that? Go ahead. Go ahead and just go split that. We'll, We'll go half and half. Because the reality for most of us is we always make resolutions, but very few of us actually make decisions. And the best thing is, is you don't have to wait till January 1st to make a decision. And in this moment that Jesus walks up to this man, he asks him the question. He says he's been laying there for 38 years. My question for you guys is, are you guys calling something a season when it's actually a cycle? Because a season changes, but a cycle continues. And so if you're married, are you saying, oh, we're just going through some hard times right now. Well, how long have you been going through it? Fifteen years. No, no, I'm sorry. You're not going through it. You camped in it. I'm just going through this season where I can't hear God's voice. Well, what are you doing to be able to position yourself? Well, you know, I just, uh uh-huh. What have we deemed as, oh, it's just a season in my life, when in all actuality, because of our habits and because of our tendencies, it's become a cycle. So we're waiting for God to break us out of a season when God is waiting for us to break the cycle. Hello, y'all with me? What are the cycles in your life? What are the cycles in your relationship that if you don't break the cycle, it'll continue into your life and your children's life? I was abused physically, I was abused sexually when I was a little boy, and if I didn't catch it quick, the cycle of brokenness would have continued into my children. So what are you doing in your life to break the cycle of poverty, to break the cycle of not walking with God, to break the cycle of divorce, to break the cycle of lack? What are you doing in your life? Because Jesus understood this man has been in a cycle for 38 years. To which he replies, do you even want to be made well? Here comes the word. Why would he say, do you want to be made well? And why didn't he ever say, did you want to be healed? Because if you're not sick, you don't need to be healed physically. The word well there in the text, look it up, means free. He asked him the question, Do you even wanna be free? Because oftentimes when we're pursuing a dream or stepping into what God has for us, it's comfortable to feel sorry for ourselves and stay in our dysfunction instead of stepping out in faith where you get shots taken at you. And so it makes me feel comfortable to say, Yeah, one day God is giving me this ministry, one day God's giving me this business, one day I'm gonna get this husband, and we're doing nothing to do anything about it. And then God says to you, do you even want to be free? Because when we become overly or wrongly dependent upon somebody else, you will always live your life at their mercy. And he's asking this question, he's saying to him, you've been in a place of breakthrough, you've been in a place of outpouring, you've been in a place for all of these years, and yet you missed your opportunity. So I had to ask myself why. And then it was found in the text. Can you, can you give me that in, Manuel? Which leads me to my third question. I got one more after this. The third question I have for you is, do you have a bed? Now, I know some of y'all are thinking like, yo, this is from my, my house. And one of my interests is My wife's probably waking up like, what happened? <laughs> so, baby, if you're watching, it's my bed. It's for the Lord. The question I have for you is, do you have a bed? The text says in verse 8, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Rise, take up your bed. You are at the place of miracles. Where you were supposed to just come and get your healing. Where did the bed come from? You're at a place of your breakthrough that you were supposed to come and you're surrounded by sick people. Why do you have a bed at the place that you're just supposed to pass through? And here lies the challenge and the dilemma for so many of us that prevents us from walking in what God wants us to walk in. Is that when we're going through something, we don't just go through it. We lay a bed in it and become comfortable in it. And this is what discouragement does. When you are discouraged of chasing a dream that God has given you, he wants you to get tired. The enemy wants you to get worn out. I heard a pastor say this, that the devil is a dead spirit. In other words, he has an end date. But because we are in Christ, our spirit never dies. And when something is dead or dying, i.e. our flesh is dying every day, but our spirit is living, you get tired. So the goal of the enemy is to get you tired before he does. This is why when Jesus was tempted in the desert, the devil kept coming to him and Jesus kept saying, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. Finally, the devil's like, okay, look, I'm tired. You got this. I'm going to holler at you later. And the goal for when it comes to your dream and your purpose It's for you to allow the devil to beat you down so bad that you're supposed to pass by. And you say, well, you know what? I'm just going to just rest here. I'm just, I'm so tired. And I've been fighting for so long. And God, I don't even know if you're just going to come through. And I'm just, you know, I am believing God. I'm an overcomer. And this season's going to end. And I just. And you end up laying down in a place that you were supposed to walk through. You end up laying down in a season that was only supposed to be a season because of what the enemy did for you. Do you have a bed at the place of your breakthrough? Have you become comfortable in discomfort? Have you become comfortable in dysfunction? Because until you're able to walk into a place and say, God, I know I'm going through this season, but I don't care what the devil does to me. I don't care what he says to me. I'm going to keep pushing through. Do you have a bed at the place of your breakthrough? Do you have a bed in the anger in your marriage? You know you're supposed to heal from it, but you're holding on to it. Do you have a bed in the place of your, your past and your childhood when you were just supposed to go through it? You are at the place of miracles. You're in the presence of God. He is the God that can do more than anything you could ever imagine. He's the God that says, cast your cares upon me. But are we at a place where we said, no, God, I know you can do it. You're the God of miracles, but let me just lay down right here because I'm tired. in this moment, the man has a bed in the place where he was supposed to walk out. And I couldn't help but understand the text that was said in the same verse. And if I could have somebody come up here, hop on the keys and make me sound holy. <laughs> I have the worship team come up behind me, whatever you guys are going to do, because In this moment, in this time, the man is faced with this dilemma. And this same dilemma is the same dilemma that you're going to be faced with every day of your life. Is that when the enemy starts coming after you, will you be in a place, will you live in a place in your mind where you will get so comfortable in a season that you're supposed to walk through that you miss, that you're at the place of your breakthrough, you're at the place of your anointing, you're at the place where God wants to do something massive in your life. Because the reality is, is it leads me to the last and final question and I'll be done for today. But the reality of the question is, is the last question. And this last question, Pastor Sam, is a question that if we get this right, if you get this question right, it will unlock something in your life that you never thought possible. You'll step into a realm of power and authority that you never imagined, you will watch people get their lives saved, you'll watch your business flourish, you'll watch you overcome addictions, you'll watch you overcome everything your family said you couldn't. If you catch this last point, are you all ready for it? The last and final point of my message is do you realize who said it? Do you realize who said it? Do you realize who said it? I'm going to try it over here. Do you realize who said it? I'm, okay. Do you realize who said it? I'm t- Do you realize who said it? What are you talking about? Watch the text. And Jesus said to him, Do you realize who said it? And Jesus said to him, Rise, pick up your mat, and walk. Do you realize who said it? Jesus said, Do you realize who said it? Jesus said. Do you realize who said it? Jesus said. Why do you keep repeating yourself? Because so many times we forget that the only voice that matters, the only position that matters, the only permission that matters is the permission that we get from? Oh, my God. Do you recognize who said it? Who told you you can start your company? Jesus did. Who said you can be healed? Jesus did. Who said you can be married? Jesus did. Who said your body can be healed? Jesus said it. Who said it? Who said it? Who said it? Who said it? Well, Pastor Jeff, that sounds cute. But why are you so passionate here? Because although I was a top-ranked wide receiver, I got arrested for six armed robberies and attempted murder. I was locked up and signed a deal for 16 years to life. I was 18 years old. I was in the biggest race riots that happened in L.A. County. I have a scar on my neck from when a game tried to cut my neck open with a razor blade. And in the moment of where I was in my prison cell, I said, God, I'm done running. God, whatever it is you have for me, if you can do it, I'll listen. And I got a hold of this word. Because this word tells me every day who said I can be free. Because the Bible says that whom the sun sets free, oh my God, is free indeed. Who said it? And every day it got worse. I signed the deal. It got worse. I was in a race ride. It got worse. I got set up with 12 Hispanic gang members were locked in a cell with me the day after the race riot. It got worse. But can I tell you something? That when God says it, he'll move everything around you to make sure that his promise comes to pass. He'll move everything, woo. He'll move everything around you to make sure that my word will accomplish what I said. It will accomplish. Who said it? Who told you? Stop listening to voices that never give you breath in your lungs. Stop listening to people who already made up their mind not to believe you. Who said it? Who said it? Pastor, who said that you can start a church spirit field right here on the borderline of Chino and Chino Hills? Who said it? Who said that you can buy a building in the middle of a pandemic, Pastor? Who said it? Who said it? You want to know why? I'll say this and then we'll go into some worship. I said, God, you're so big that when I was locked down in solitary confinement 24 hours a day eating with my hands in pitch black, I couldn't look out when they would move me from my cell and my parents live right here off of Schaefer and Chino. I could see my parents' neighborhood from my prison cell. I couldn't even see them. And it reminds me of this story, Pastor, of this man who had a goldfish and the thermostat broke. And when he came in the next day, the thermostat was broken and the fish was floating at the top. And he asked this, the strangest question. He says, I wonder if anybody heard him screaming. And in the middle of you pursuing your dreams... Sometimes you ask that yourself that question, does anybody hear me screaming? I'm trying to be all that you've asked me to be. Does anybody hear me screaming? I'm trying to start this company, but does anybody hear me screaming? I'm trying to start this ministry, but does anybody hear me screaming? I'm trying to break these chains and bondages, and I'm trying, but it's not working. Does anybody hear me screaming? But can I tell you something? That when you understand who said it, When you understand whose you are and when you understand who said it and when you understand the power behind the one who said it, He says, with man, it's impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. So while I was on that level four prison yard, God called me up one day and said, Jeff, roll it up. You're going back up to court. And I said, why? And he said, you got to go see a judge. And I said, why? Because the judge said that upon reviewing your letter, I said, what letter? He said, you got a letter on your behalf from the assistant warden of Chino State Prison. I never saw him. I never met him. I never shook his hand. He said, this is a good young man we had a bump in the road. Let him go. And I don't know what you're going through, but today, devil, we serve you. Notice, know let them go. Let their dreams go. Let their vision go. Let their life go. Let their families go. Let them go. And when I served 16 years to life, I served 11 and a half months. Everybody stand to your feet. I served 11 and a half months out of 16 years to life. And at the end of the text, I asked myself this question because he says, hey man, rise up, pick up your bed and walk. And I had to ask the question, I said, self, and myself said, what's up? Why would he say pick up your mat? Why would he say pick up your bed? Like if I'm trying to leave it, I'm gonna leave it right there on the floor. But he knew something that most people don't know. Is that if you don't pick up your mat, somebody else will come up behind you and lay down where they were supposed to pass through. And I want to let you know that there's not a dream or a vision inside of you. That you have to understand that God did it not just for you, but for those who will come after you. Your children are watching you. Your future children are watching you. Your grandchildren are watching you. And if you don't choose to pick it up, they'll lay down where you were supposed to pick it up at. Do you hear me? So here's what I want to do. Pastor, can I get like a few more minutes? Is that all right with you guys? Can I get a few more minutes? So watch this. So watch this. I know that in seasons, one moment can change your life. How many of y'all went to Life Pacific University? Who go there? Let me see your hands. Okay. Okay. So check this out. When I got out of prison, they offered me a Division II basketball scholarship. That was back when they had the basketball team. So I went to LPU. And in the middle of me going to LPU, I got connected back with my gang. And I went worse to where they kicked me out. And in the some people kicked out. I went back into the streets harder than before and in the moment of all of that some people said to me I don't believe God's hand is on your life I don't believe God has a ministry on your life but would you look at God look at how he will take somebody who got kicked out and put him on a stage that will magnify his name not because I got PhDs not because I got it all together but I recognize who said it and his name is oh come on so here's what I want to do in this moment if I miss this I didn't come for nothing else but for this moment there is an anointing in this place to break chains off of your mind, off of your spirit, off of your future, off of your family. This street right here, Roswell, you cut it right and you go, uh, you go left and you go to East End. On a rainy Tuesday, I was married with my wife. We had our son, Jaden. I couldn't afford uh, T-shirts. I was using T-shirts for diapers. I couldn't afford fever medication. I was a failure. My wife was permanently disabled. I was digging through trash cans, but I had a dream. And I felt like I was so low that on a rainy Tuesday, I felt the enemy say, you might as well kill yourself because death would be a relief compared to the hell that you're going through. So I took my pedal and floated at a pole off of East End at 60 miles an hour. I jumped the curb to take my life. I took my hands off of the steering wheel, closed my eyes, I hear, Arr! and then it's silent. And I hear this tapping. I said, God, is it raining in heaven or maybe it's hell? Now I look and I'm perfectly parallel parked on the side of the road and have no idea how I got there. So I want to let somebody else know that if the devil is trying to get you, I don't care if you're good on the outside, to question whether or not you should be alive, to question whether or not your life matters, to question whether or not anybody would miss you, guess what, the world will miss you. Your purpose will miss you. And I'm letting you know today that this is your moment for you to get freedom and healing from anxiety, from depression, from doubt, from fear. This is your moment. So here's what I want to do. I'm not even playing with y'all. If you have a dream, if you have a purpose, if you're dealing with discouragement, if you're dealing with doubt, I want you to come to this altar. I'm going to pray over you and the same God that broke it off of me is going to break it off of you. This ain't the time to look cute. This ain't the time to be like, oh my God, somebody might put me on Instagram. Whatever it is, this is your moment to get your break. I want you to come to this altar right now. Come on, come on, come on.